This morning, I'd like us to take a poll, right? Because nobody's done that lately. So, so um, here's, here's the question I have for you. How many of you are completely over this election season? Like, enough is enough. Now, how many of you would really appreciate it if we could just go for another nine or ten months like this? Anyone? Sung's ready to go. Sung and Levi, can, they can have another nine months of this. I'm, I'm over it. I am, I am done with it. I am sick and tired of everybody telling me what we're going to do and what we need. Um, and, and so I, that's what I want us to talk about today. What, is it, what exactly is it that we're looking for? What exactly is it that we need, especially as we talk about the incarnation God with us? So let's pray together and we'll study the, world, the word. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So the question then is, what does the world need in times of chaos and angst and depression? What kind of person is, is needed to bring life into a world that is filled with racial tension and economic disparity that seems to be growing by the day? What are the attributes desired of someone who's going to restore justice and bring hope to the hopeless? Could any of our current candidates possibly do that? Well, maybe, maybe what we need is somebody who's going to be more pastoral in nature, somebody who tends to be calm and gentle and caring and compassionate. Maybe that's the way that we need to go. Someone like this would be somebody who, who knows the traditions, the history of, of the way that we've handled these kind of things before. But even with that knowledge that this person would have, they'd still be capable of, of coming alongside of us to reassure us and, and give us a sense of peace about our current circumstances and then project hope for a brighter future. Maybe, maybe what we need is a priest or a, a pastor. But the problem with that is that we have a situation that seems to be rapidly getting out of control. Everywhere we look, it, it just seems to get more tension-filled. So we've got this never-ending war on terror going on, corruption in both the public and the private sectors, growing tensions between police and different communities and, and populations. So really what we need is we need a leader. We need a leader. We need somebody with a plan of action, a doer, not, not a dreamer, a realist, not an idealist. We need a good, a wise, a just. Possibly we need a king who can still do all of that pastoral stuff that we just talked about. But who would want that job? Who would want to be in charge of, of all of that? That's a public relations nightmare. Where would one even start with all of that? So what we need, we need a leader who can authoritatively rule in a pastoral way, but yet, in the midst of all of our tension, communicate to us a word of hope. That this is, this is not the end for us. Maybe what we need is a prophet. Essentially, what the world is looking for in 2016 is exactly what the people of the Old Testament were searching for the moment that things started falling apart in the Garden of Eden. Once that started, everybody started looking for someone who could be the answer to their problem. 
But the problem then and the problem now is that depending on, depending on our given situational crisis, we're either looking for a priest, a king, or a prophet. And it took the people of the Old Testament a long time, and it takes us a considerable amount of time, even today, to come to the conclusion that really any one of those things would be fine, possibly okay, but what we really, really need is a Savior. And when we think about Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, we often hear hymns that refer to him as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the wise prophet, the Son of Wisdom, the great high priest. There's so many different ways that come at describing Jesus. And the problem with that is is that the moment that we hone in on just one of those descriptions, like pick King of Kings, for example, and we ascribe that to Jesus' identity, we neglect all of the other parts of Jesus that make him the Savior, that make him unique. Among all of the other people, and he, uh, people in the world, Jesus is the Savior of the world because he is God with us. So in the coming weeks, we're going to look at these three components of Jesus, priest, king, and prophet. In anticipation of ultimately seeing how all of these things and much more work together for Jesus to be our Savior. It's not surprising at all that one of the first types of people that the Old Testament highlights in their search for a Savior are the prophets. Prophets make sense because in a world that is filled with sound bites and and bad news, people are looking for words of hope. Right? That's why politicians make all these promises. We're going to have this brighter future because we're going to promise this and this and this. Because they know that we as a people are looking for a better tomorrow. That's what we want. We want to know what the future holds, and we want that future to be bright. In the Old Testament, we see this unfolding history that just looks like a series of really unfortunate events. If the saying is true that sin begets sin, and it does, then the Old Testament basically is just one enormous snowball of crisis and fracture and destruction. Between where we left off last week and where we get to in Scripture today, we have covered more than a few generations of sinners. Between these two Sundays, just these seven short days, we have missed empire-building, brother-killing, birthright-stealing, outright-lying, and deadly deception. Just in those few short books in between last week and this week. And in the midst of that, God raises up Moses. Moses has that great backstory of being this Jewish baby that's adopted in the court of the Pharaoh in Egypt. He discovers his true identity. He flees to Midian. He becomes a shepherd. God seeks him out, calls him back to lead his own people out of Egypt. Now, it is possible. It is possible that those who are under the oppression of the Egyptian Pharaoh would have described Moses as their savior because he's going to change their circumstances. He's going to upend everything that they have experienced, and he's going to change those circumstances. But that's not really an accurate title for Moses. It's not accurate because Moses wasn't the one who actually saved the people. God did. God was the one who made the way. God sent the plagues. God parted the Red Sea. God gave that cloud that Moses 
ultimately followed. So Moses can't really claim to be the Savior. But Moses did have a relationship with God, and he spoke with God, and he listened to God, and then God gave him voice to go and to speak to the people on God's behalf. So Moses, rather unwittingly, becomes a prophet. And what you will notice as you look at all of the prophets of the Old Testament is that almost all of them came to it unwittingly. That's something that we should take note of in 2016. That's an important learning lesson for us. Not everyone who claims to be a prophet is a prophet. And historically, most of the prophets did not go around bragging about their propheticness. One of the lesser-known social media websites that's out there is called LinkedIn, and it's a, in theory, it's, it's a business website, business social media. And you connect mostly with your resume, and, and you do some networking, but typically the people that you're connected to overwhelmingly are in the field in, in which you work. So the vast majority of the people to whom I'm connected, of course, are pastors. And these are pastors that are across all kinds of denominations, all different sized churches, all different geographic contexts all over the world. But the one common thread that runs rampant across this entire group is that almost every single one, down to a person, every one of them believes when asked that their very top skill as a pastor is preaching. Now, I'm not saying that that isn't true. But after working with churches who are looking for pastors, the number one complaint that I hear again and again and again is, none of these people can actually preach a decent sermon. So the lesson here is just because you say something about yourself or because you post it on social media website doesn't mean that it's actually true. Just because someone says that they are a prophet doesn't mean that it's actually true. So then, if we have this expectation of what we're looking for, how do we go out and find the real thing? How in the world overrun with self-proclaimed prophets do we hash out the truth? Well, this is what Moses told his people. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people, and you shall heed such a prophet. There it is. There it is. Remember these last couple of weeks we've been talking about this seed, and I told you that the seed would float with you all the way into the New Testament until the days of Jesus. The seed that we have been talking about arrives here. Arrives here. It's floated along from Adam and Eve to Abraham. It has now arrived at Moses. The promise of one from Moses' own bloodline, from his own people. And just like last week, how we talked about that instead of backing off of his promises, God renews the promises and he adds detail to them. That's exactly what happens here. And he goes on to say, This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God anymore or ever again see this great fire, I will die. What's happening is Moses is coming to the end of his ministry. And he's prepping the people for what's going to happen to them next. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. 
I will raise up a prophet like you from among their own people. He reiterates that promise. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet who shall speak to them everything I command. So here's the detail part coming in. There's going to be a prophet. That prophet is going to be from God. The words that the prophet speaks are going to be words from God. The, the prophets are the reporters of the news that they hear directly from a single source. So it only comes from God. So if someone predicts that the Cubs will win the World Series, and they do, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are a prophet of God. That's a good prediction. doesn't mean that it is prophetic. Unless they heard distinctly and clearly from the Lord God himself that the Cubs would win the series. And I suppose that's possible, but highly, highly, highly unlikely. But then again, God has a history of speaking hope into plagues and droughts. So, it shouldn't be God who speaks to us through the prophets. The scripture says to us, anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. If you have studied the New Testament and you've heard Jesus talk about his ministry in the New Testament, this, this might sound vaguely familiar to you. This idea that, that if God speaks and the people don't listen, they will be held accountable. In Matthew 10.33, Scripture says, Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. This is Jesus speaking. The original promise of God is highlighted and foreshadowed yet again in this Deuteronomy passage, in a passage that's then going to show up in Matthew. But still, despite all of this, how will we know who the real prophet is? How do we know who the real prophets are today? Deuteronomy says this, But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name, a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, the prophet shall die. Well, that's, that makes it kind of easy, right? Because those prophets, they're going di- to die. You may say to yourself, well, how, how can we recognize a word that the Lord has not spoken. And this is the test. This is how we test out the prophets. If a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, but the thing does not take place or prove true, it's a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet spoke it presumptuously. Do not be frightened by it. Friends, that's news that we need to hear because we hear predictions and prophecies all the time that are meant to scare us to death. We are surrounded by false prophets all the time. And some of those prophets are doomsday prophets. Did you know, did you know according to prophecy that we are coming up on the fourth anniversary of the end of the world? True story. Fourth anniversary of the end of the world, December 21st, if we make it that long, fourth anniversary. Back in 2012, Christmas was about to come to an abrupt end, according to those who believed in the Mayan apocalypse. And it was covered on the news, and people were very concerned about it, and yet, here we are, and the Cubs are in the World Series. So, could be the apocalypse. But two of the things that Jesus' followers should have paid attention to back then in 2012, before they even troubled themselves with such a concern, First is that Deuteronomy makes a a distinction between being a prophet of our God, 
the God of Israel, and other false prophets. The distinction basically comes down to death. So if prophets are going to make prophecies, they need to be clear who their prophecies come from. And the only ones that the people have a long history of seeing come to fruition are the ones from the Lord our God. So if the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, but the thing does not take place or prove true, it's not a word that the Lord has spoken. The Mayan apocalypse is not a word that the Lord has spoken. It did not come true, thus we are still here. But when it comes to the prophets, we walk a very fine line. Because in the Old Testament, many of the prophets were ignored and taunted and persecuted. They were mistaken as the crazy ones, the misguided beings. And we do that today. We throw those names around when we see those guys who are standing on the street corners claiming to be prophets with those signs that say, repent now, the end is near. Jesus was treated this way when he was asked if anything good could ever possibly come out of Nazareth. And Jesus responds in the Gospel of Mark saying, a prophet is without honor only in his own hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. And yet, if you were to go back and you were to reconcile all of the prophecies about the God who promised the seed all the way back to the beginning of Genesis, you will discover that Jesus himself proved true over 300 of those prophecies. So, was Jesus a prophet? Absolutely. But that's just one part of who Jesus is. You cannot, you cannot say that Jesus' identity is that he was just a prophet among prophets. That's just one part of who he is. It's like asking is, is hope a pastor? Well, yes. Yes, I am. But I'm also a mom and a daughter and a wife and a, a chronic sufferer of extreme road rage during snowbird season. That's a whole different <laughs> sermon. Being a pastor, is, it's just one part of who I am. If we describe Jesus only as a prophet, we far understate the totality of who he is and... And it causes us to have to go look for a Savior elsewhere. But as we look towards what it means for him to be our Savior, we need to know that his prophecies do ring true. And this is why we're not going to find a Savior in any one of our elections or by looking to billionaires or economists or social servants to save us. We've had leaders for years who have made promises that borderline on prophecy, and they have overwhelmingly, again and again, failed us. If our Savior is going to be a prophet, priest, and king, they need to be tested and proved faithful in all of these arenas. Today, we can be confident of the prophecies and the promises of Jesus that they are secure. Because in every one, every single one, every prophecy of Jesus, Scripture has found him to be faithful. History has found him to be faithful. So the good news for us is that Jesus has a perfect track record. So when he promised, when he prophesied that he'd come back again, we can count on it. We can count on it. We can know with confidence that our Savior is quite the prophet and we can trust in his word. Let's pray together.
Lord Jesus, we confess that often when asked about who you are, we'll say priest, prophet, king. Because we know the heaviness of the word Savior. And yet, that is exactly what you have done for each one of us. You gave up your life to pay for our sins, that we would not carry them anymore. You indeed upended the world and changed our outcome, and because of you, we have eternal life. Your promises are secure, your prophecies are true, and indeed, you are our Savior. Thanks be to God. Amen.